Often a child who grew up in an alcoholic home can have difficulties with trust, with identifying, expressing feelings, and they either go one of two ways, total control or feeling like they have no control over their life. This is one million percent describing me. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave? Or, you know, those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really? The how, what, when, where, why of it all? Today, my guest is Karen. Now, Karen, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) What is your secret? I grew up in an alcoholic home and actually the impact that it had on me that I totally did not connect the dots to that at all. Like the denial of what living in an alcoholic home does to you. Yeah, well, I don't even because, you know, there's so many different I suppose that word was never used, you know, it wasn't a thing, you know, it wasn't as if my dad was out all day, every day and coming home drunk and causing havoc and messing up the place and all this kind of thing. No, he totally worked all day, but he went out every single night and came home. Particularly when I was a child, I remember him coming home drunk, like absolutely obliterated. And I hated it. And Mm -hmm. I always just wanted to be in bed. And I would be like, oh, please don't come in and wake me up. Because sometimes he would, he'd come in and he'd wake me up. And that's when he'd be like, oh my God, I love you so much. You know, profuse in his undying love. And sometimes he passed out as well with like an arm over me. And as a child, I was just terrified. (gasps) So terrifying, that overwhelming. It's almost like when my a family member would do that it was like you didn't know what to do with all that energy coming at you yeah and that's when I I literally stopped breathing you know because as a child and before the age of seven we're literally in theta we're being programmed it's like we're in you know a hypnotized state so and again I'm looking back now as a journey of discovery and healing and connecting all the dots. But, you know, I didn't know this at the time, but that's when I stopped breathing. I literally I'd be so terrified. I went into freeze mode because even like that, if he passed out with his arm over me, I would stop breathing because I'd be like, oh, I don't want to wake him. Because if he starts like profusing his love again, the smell of drink, like it's just not cool for a child, you know, So that's, and I live my life in that freeze mode. Like, like you would realize you were holding your breath. Like, yeah. And especially if I felt triggered or uh vulnerable or particularly when it came to relationships and opening up and expressing, you know, feelings and emotions. Like I just did not do that. I was a closed book. And if ever I felt in that space of needing to open up, 
I would go in that freeze mode. It was like, stop breathing, shut down. Yes. I want to ask you is, so I've taken breath class as an actor. Mm -hmm. You like work with your breath and all my teacher told me that I breathe just in my chest Mm -hmm. and I didn't connect my breath to my belly and my, you know, the lower area. Is that how you, like, I guess I was disconnected too. Yeah. Upper chest breathing, because Mm -hmm. I've studied a lot and done a couple of courses while on breath work. And that Uh upper chest breathing is that really kind of panic, fight or flight. You're passing extra cortisol. It's, it's, you're in fight or flight, essentially. You're not in that rest or digest, like full, you know, deep diaphragmic breaths that allow oxygenated blood to pass around your body. So yeah, it does have an impact, but it's so funny because recently I joined Al-Anon and honestly, by joining there, that's, and that's through another episode of a person close to me drinking. And I was just like, oh my God, even with all my skills, all my tools, all my practices, it was, I couldn't cope. It was really, really, really triggering me. So I was like, oh my God, I need help here. Wait, wait, let's not, let's not jump ahead though. Wait, let's go back. I have a couple of questions. (laughs) You're like, I know exactly what I want to say, but no, like when your household was in that state. So he drank every night. He was mm-hmm. a functioning alcoholic. It sounds yeah. like now you can look back and go, yeah, absolutely. Cause he was up every morning, went to work. Yeah. And that's the hardest ones to diagnose. If you're, if your life is not falling to pieces, mm-hmm. it's hard to be like, oh, I have a problem. Yeah. So and was there a word they you you guys used for when he was in that state or was it like just not talked about? No, like I say, it was not mentioned. That word was never brought up. It was never an issue. It was just like, and honestly, when, when I look back, I didn't see it as an issue. I didn't think, oh my God, you know, my dad goes out every night. It was just like a normal, you know, as far as I knew, it's what everyone did. Wait, and where are you where are you from? Ireland, Ireland. That's it. You're Irish, <laughs> right? I'm not like but I'm Irish too and it's like they a lot of people I hear say, "Well, Irish just drink a lot." Like it's our culture. It's uh, the society we were raised in. Yeah, and it's you know, definitely was part of that, but I could see as well it was probably his bit of a wind down, his sanctuary, you know, where he met his buddies and they all catched up, caught up, but also, you know, it's, I mean, when it's every single night of the year, the only two nights he didn't go out was Good Friday because the pubs were closed and Christmas Day because the pubs were closed. And I like, this was the, like, I do not remember a single day when he did not go. Like it was, it, that's just how it was. But like I'm saying, it was just so normalized. And I think this is what happens a lot, you know, in trauma or whatever kind of situation. They're just so normal. You don't see that there's, any issue you know they're just like your your blind spots and those particularly coming home like really drunk and kind of waking us up in the middle of the night to tell us he loves us so much and that I remember that happening like literally a handful of times but when I was really young you know like five six seven maybe around that age you know it didn't happen as we got older but he still went out but it happened enough times for me (laughs) to live my life of in a programmed state of that not feeling safe that fear that living in freeze mode shutting down because that's what we do you know you're supposed to rely on is not in a healthy state so the boundaries are crossed like your boundaries were crossed as a little Mm -hmm. girl a father should not be climbing in bed and passing out drunk with his arm over his daughter like that Mm -hmm. you know is that 
when you had that aha moment, because you had it after we talked, right? Like we talked on your podcast. So how did that aha moment realize? I know you have another family member that's also an alcoholic. Like, can you connect all those dots when this moment of aha happened for you? Yeah, my aha moment when it all connected and I really saw the impact that those events had on me was um, like I mentioned just another family member and just me not being able to cope and I was like oh hell I need help here and did something happen with the other family member did the person like bottom out or you know what just every now and again like they're just not in a good place don't have healthy supportive habits so it's just kind of like well I don't give a shit anyway so I'm just going to go and get obliterated and you know maybe on a weekly basis would just be obliterated and awake all night and singing and wake me up and I'm just like what the fuck (laughs) you know so I was just like oh my god I need help here because obviously again that's a coping mechanism and they're not ready to do anything else but it was really triggering me like more than anything else because like that I have so many tools and skills of and have been on this journey yeah so I reached out to Al-Anon and it's so funny because obviously there's so many groups but it's not funny because there's no such thing as coincidence but I ended up joining a group called growing up in an alcoholic home mm-hmm. and even though looking at it I was like yeah but that's not really the truth like because you know you have this idea that an alcoholic is drunk all day every day and causing Smashing mayhem yeah. which happens but I yes. was grown up and well they call Al-Anon just so anybody's listening you don't have to have a drunk parent to be an Al-Anon no. I also went to Al-Anon neither of my parents were drinkers but it was a dysfunctional family so they say mm-hmm. Al-Anon's for alcoholic or dysfunctional families mm-hmm. Or if you have a relative or friend, they say, yeah, well. and it's just or a they're in another for addiction. Mm-hmm. Well, they're another addiction. Like my mom is a workaholic. She'll say that other, you know, family members yeah. had problems, but yeah. Yeah. So this group jumped out at me. And at first I was like, no, I'm not going to join that one. Like I didn't really grow up in an alcoholic home. But then I was like, oh, because this was a Friday and this, and I was like, I, I really want to just join now. Like, so this was a Saturday morning. So it was the next day. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to join it. And oh my God, on their opening um, paragraph, even <laughs> they described this um, adult child and they described this person who, as a child, if they grew up in an alcoholic home and if they often felt either physically unsafe or psychologically unsafe, and that was obviously me, psychologically unsafe. When a parent crosses a line that is just unsure and not normal, which happened to me, you know, I wasn't as sexually abused by a parent, but there was some line crossing or mm-hmm. boundaries that is inappropriate for a child. Yeah. So if you're out there for and sure. something has happened where you're like, well, it wasn't sexual abuse, but it definitely made me really uncomfortable as a child. Mm-hmm. And it was too intimate and it was emotionally enmeshing and physically yeah. enmeshing a little bit. You're okay to say something happened and I'm uncomfortable, even if it wasn't sexual. I just have to say that because it was so hard for me doing the work to be like, but nothing sexual happened. And my therapist would be like, no, it was inappropriate at six Mm. years old for this to happen to you. So I just have to say that because I had the hardest time 
admitting that to myself. Yeah, no, for sure. You're right. And it does make sense. Like, as I say, although I didn't feel physically unsafe, of Mm -hmm. course it makes sense. Like you say, yes, absolutely. Boundaries were crossed. Like that's just not normal behavior. Yeah. So definitely, but like that, it was more a psychological effect for me and how I lived. And, but they had this paragraph on an adult child and how it impacts them, how often a child who grew up in an alcoholic home can have difficulties with trust, with identifying, expressing feelings. And they either go one of two ways, total control or feeling like they have no control over their life. And I swear to God, my jaw dropped on the ground because I was like, this is one million percent describing me and how I operated in my life. I was a total and utter control freak Mm -hmm. because I suppose I didn't feel safe for much. So I had this story. And again, this was all unconscious at the time. This is through the inner work and the uncovering that my story that I was telling myself was if I could control everything outside of myself, I was safe. Yeah. And we obviously can't live that way. It's exhausting. Well, we can control nothing. I was the yeah. same thing. I love power and control because that's the only thing I felt because I felt so not in control of everything. And you can't. Yeah. You can't yeah. go every- through life trying to have power and control over anyone. No, but I did, but more so even over myself. And it was over analyzing. It was overly critical. I was overly independent. Like I was just like, I'll do it all myself. I don't want anyone to help me. I didn't want to ask for help. Like just that pure perfectionism Mm -hmm. and that, you know, just feeling uncomfortable being myself, you know, that, and a lot of people do it, but you know, that, that editing, altering, censoring ourselves in order to be liked, to be accepted by others. And again, yeah. it wasn't conscious to me at the time. I wasn't going around going, I was the most disingenuous person ever. No, I was completely oblivious. I just felt so unsafe and unconnected and uncomfortable being me that this is just what I did. And I see I carried so much embarrassment. I really had so much underlying shame and embarrassment. And I was afraid to be seen. I didn't want to be seen. I just Why wanted to hide. Can you explain? I was, I was embarrassed because if, and I remember I didn't like having friends staying over purely Mm -hmm. for the fact I was like, oh my God, imagine if they stayed and he came in in the middle of the night, waking us up saying all this shite. I was just like, so embarrassed. Right. And that's really where it came from. It was just that pure embarrassment of having someone over and seeing this behavior or feel. Yeah. 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 So that, that stuck with me and still at times you know it because sometimes our wounds they're always there no matter the the healing we do we get triggered and even recently like last week I was meditating on the couch in the sitting room and next thing I heard my brother coming in and I got really embarrassed I was like oh my god I'm gonna stop but it's I've done it so much now it's in that moment going no that's that's an old story that's not valid and I just stay there yeah okay yeah I'm safe all is good who cares if he sees me like let him think what he wants. It's totally fine, you know? So yeah. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Has this affected your romantic relationships? Totally. Yeah. Uh And because, and again, you know, it was all unconscious, but now I can see how, and just to say before I go into this, you know, that aha moment was joining that group and actually seeing, because just connecting the dots. Yeah. You know, and it's just like all the cards fell and I was like, oh, my God, that really did have that much of an impact on me, you know, because it crossed my mind before. Um, and I, I was like, oh, that's when I stopped breathing. But I kind of thought that was it. But no, it was everything in how I was. And because, you know, that that feeling of, you know, not being safe or being afraid to be myself, you know, wanting to kind of hide mm-hmm. and being that control freak and perfectionist and overly independent that obviously put me in my masculine energy I lived in my masculine energy <laughs> me too which girl. Is, me too <laughs> yeah, which is that which again when I saw that I was like oh my god we're so blind but that's the thing I think a lot of women go to the masculine energy yeah. when they feel unsafe as a child when you have to walk on eggshells with someone in your household at such a young age not knowing what you're going to get if it's a rager if it's a mm-hmm. drinking if it's overly affectionate all that stuff you usually turn to the masculine energy because it shuts you down and it protects you. Well, it keeps, it kept me in my head. I was totally Mm -hmm. disconnected from my body. I lived from the level of mind that thinking, planning, doing like, you know, if I could think every aspect of it, it's going to be fine. I could control it. I could think my way out of things, you You know, overanalyze and figure it out. (laughs) Which, you know, led to because you cannot live there. But again, it was just, it was so normal to me. You know, and I thought my, cause I'm a really ambitious and driven person. Mm-hmm. And I thought my constant, you know, striving and pushing and hustling and efforting. I thought that was a sign of, oh, that's a sign of my ambition. Like I yeah, actually like- didn't see that it was, you know, so detrimental. So because I lived in that masculine energy, I obviously was attracting people who were, you know, men who were more in their feminine and who just mm-hmm. couldn't hold space for me because energy always has to balance. And Again, I was just such a closed book. I just couldn't open. I couldn't express. I was like just kind of numb inside. I was just like, oh. Shut down. So totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it impacted everything, but especially relationships. And like that, not even just intimate, you know, even some of my closest relationships with friends. I remember years and years ago, 
we were on holidays and a friend of mine, one of my best friends even said to me, she was just like, she's just like, who are you? I just don't even know who you are. You don't share. And I was like, oh my God. You know? How long did you have this friendship? How long were you guys? Oh, friends? we've been friends since primary school. Like, wow. To have somebody that you've known that long be like, who are you? Yeah. Because like, I never shared. That you were never completely available. Not on an emotional level. Never. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. terrified. I didn't know how to speak about emotions. I didn't know how to express feelings. I didn't know how, because again, one of what happened, but two, we're not taught that inside society. You know, we're not taught how to process emotions, how to feel them, how to release them. So yeah, it was that. And actually, oh my God, this is so awful. But I remember like an early boyfriend as well, who I really, really liked. And like that, I, I liked him so much. I was terrified. Again, that fear of being yourself. I was like, well, well fear of intimacy. Like, yeah. Mm. The fear but of even, intimacy. even more, it was, you know, how I acted, what I said. I just had this fear of what if he doesn't like me, you know, because I like him so much. So it's that editing, that constantly not feeling comfortable in yourself to just be yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, trying to be that perfect person. And I remember at one stage and like we were going out and I remember one day he just he gave me a big hug we just met and he gave me a big hug and he was like I don't know what's wrong with you he's like it's like you're dead inside (gasps) what age oh my god I was like early late teens late teens like 16 17 yeah probably 17 18 wow like around that age so you know and they those kind of comments obviously don't help a person (laughs) to try were you You confused or did you brush it off did you guys what happened after that? I'm just curious. Yeah, well, obviously, well, we kind of still went out for a bit, but obviously it didn't go very far. But <laughs> but it, it did, you know, as I got older, it did start to, I was more curious. I was like, why? Because again, you know, like I'm saying, this was all unconscious. I didn't yeah, connect It's any those of secrets this. that we keep from ourselves yeah, that really and that's, are crazy, you know? And that's why, you know, the inner work is going within because what we carry unconsciously to ourselves are our blind spots. So yes, I had a curiosity and I was like, oh God, like what's wrong with me? You know, why, why can't I feel this huge joy and kind of safety and things like that? And I suppose <gasps> that's what's led me on my path of like healing and discovery and into I know but what you just said was really important when you deaden the feelings of you know not being wanted or not being enough or scared of intimacy or being loved and all that you deaden everything that's what my therapy you deaden the joy you don't get to pick and choose what emotion you not feel you don't actually feel all of them and you know what's even funny I remember about that's why Brené Brown's talk the power of vulnerability is one of my favorite ever it is brilliant and I remember when I first watched that probably in 2015 or 2016 mm-hmm. I was going out with a guy and he was going through different issues or whatever and he was a bit shut down obviously as well but <laughs> again I was totally unconscious and I remember I watched that TED talk and my mind was blown and I was like and she literally says that at the end she was like you can't pick and choose emotions if you're shut down to one you're shut down to all of them yeah I I heard that 12 years ago and it just blew my mind when she said that because I was like wow that's why I feel like I never am fully joyous because I was so deadened I didn't want to feel anything because as an addict I don't want to feel anything like I just want to feel euphoria 24 7 and if I can't (laughs) feel that I don't want to feel anything else and but I remember watching that mind blown loved it but then I was like 
oh, that's what's wrong with my boyfriend, trying to get him to watch it. And it's it just blows my mind now because, again, it's that thing of everything as a reflection. It's mm-hmm. not outside of us. Yeah. It's something within us as well. But again, I was so unconscious. And it even makes sense now as well because I traveled for years after university. And mm-hmm. like you're saying there as well, I just couldn't feel the full expression of anything. I was just yeah. pretty much like pretty numb to everything. And people, you'll be watching this incredible sunset and people are like, oh my God, it's so incredible, I nearly cried. And I'm like, yeah, it's grand, like, you're like, know, it's trying a sunset. to like, can we go now? <laughs> yeah, trying to kind of fake this going, oh, yeah. And I'm like, going, how are they getting so excited about this? Like, right. I'm, I'm like, it's beautiful, but I just can't feel it. Whereas wow. now I'm that person that I'm like, oh, I'm like crying at the sunset going, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Nature is so powerful, you know, but I would, I just live my life numb. And again, I just wasn't even aware. Can I just say too, it was really fascinating when you said about the boyfriend and I just want to point out, and I always love to take these things because they're tips. Like if anyone's listening and you keep picking that unavailable person and you are, it's because something in you is unavailable. Mm -hmm. Like you pick those people because you're unavailable. And that's when you go inward. Like you said, you have to do the inner work. If there's drama or you're, you're not feeling what everybody else is feeling. Usually there's something we're cut off from. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly why they say, you know, everything does start from within. Mm-hmm. Like if we can't feel the full expression of love, of joy, of whatever within us, first and foremost, nothing outside of us can make us feel it. Like, yeah. yes, they can augment it. They can make it bigger, but they cannot make us feel anything that we do not ha- or have activated within ourselves first, you know? So that's why it's all from within. It all starts from within. Everything, you know, is... If it's not happening on the external, it's because of something that we hold within a limiting belief, a subconscious pattern, something. And, you know, that's why through my own journey and all my learnings and all these aha, like face plant moments going, oh, my God, how could I be so blind? But that's part of the journey. It's not when you have these uncoverings, it's not to get even harder on yourself. It's kind of to be like, oh, well, now I know oh, now gentle. I've got something. Now you're gentle. Yeah. You you have compassion and empathy totally. and saying, oh, these are the things that happened. This is why I'm the way I am. And now I need to work on them because you can't carry around that baggage through your yeah. life or you're responsible for your behavior now that you know. But here's the thing. And I want to ask you, I want to get back to now there's a person in your life. Is your is your father still around? I wanted to ask. No, he passed away 10 years ago this year mm. of cancer, but um, obviously it was all connected. And it's funny, actually, he mentioned to me close to the end. He said to me one day, he was like, Do you know, what, Karen, I always thought I was an alcoholic and the drink would kill me. And he was like, and here I am with cancer, but it was colon cancer. So there was obviously a connection. But yeah. And then. So now you are dealing with someone in your life that is drinking a lot, right? Yeah, on a weekly basis, kind mm-hmm. of going. So how are you dealing with that? How are you taking care of yourself now that you know this journey and you know what you've been through and you have the tools and you're with other people like mine going through the same thing? How are you dealing with, you know, someone you care about having the same disease? Mm-hmm. And it's hard the closer the person is to you, you know, Mm -hmm. because you want to, and especially when you've been on a healing journey, you know, you want to share all these tools and everything. I know, right? And they're like, no, I'm not interested. Leave me alone. That happens to me on a daily basis. It's the most heartbreaking when you're like, no, here's the way you can be better. You don't have to be living like this. And they're like, not interested. 
Yeah, totally. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's a really hard part, but it's, it's about making peace with that as well. And I suppose, you know, for me now for years, I have so many daily practices, like it is my jam to be meditating, to be praying, to be doing yoga, to be conscious, you know, all day, every day, like that is me. And even more so when I feel triggered in this particular situation, but mm-hmm. also it was that extra level of me reaching out to get help from Al-Anon and be in a like-minded group of people who are experiencing the same to just be able to share because a word you mentioned there as well, when you go on this healing journey and really connect back to yourself, you gain so much compassion for yourself going, oh, wow, you know, it's that thing of when we know better, we do better. Yeah. But that compassion again, like I said before, we have to activate things within ourselves. So the fact that I activated it within myself for myself, I actually extend that to others. So even to my dad, I have huge compassion for him because I'm like, shit, I don't know what was going on in his life. Yeah. What he went through. You have no idea. It's that empathy that we don't, we get to have now because we see that we're all going through something and nobody does hurt people, hurt people, and people are trying to function. But yeah, you look at it from a different angle. Totally. And I don't think anyone is innately bad. So I do that as well in this situation. And also it's the bigger picture of, you know, the higher consciousness that we are a soul, we are a spirit having a human experience. And I'm like, just because I think it's bad or it's wrong or it's not the best way, I don't know what another soul is here to experience and to go through. And it's just to try hold to look after myself, but to hold that space of compassion and love and be just like, look, I know you're going through a difficult time. I'm here. Please let me know if I can do anything. But I also know it's your journey and I fully love you. And giving them that space as well, I think is is huge. And I know for us, it's made a massive difference because although it hurts and it pains, again, it's not my life. Everyone's here to experience their own things. And again, I know it's because of something else that's going on and they know as well. And when they're ready to look at another way, then it'll be their time. And it's, it's being okay with that. And I think that's the full truth of awakening of responsibility. It is that making peace with everyone and anyone, however, they're living their life. It's like, okay, maybe it's not my choice. And, but I don't want to take my anger or because you're not meeting my expectations out on you. Mm -hmm. That's my piece to deal with. If I am triggered, you know, because that's what they say. Nothing can affect me unless I have an unhealed wound within me, unless it's touching something within me. So it's, it's that constant invitation. And that's the way I look at it. I'm like, it's an invitation for me to go deeper into my work. And I'm so grateful. And I've said this to him as well. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so grateful actually that you're going through this phase because it has pushed me to go deeper within myself. And now I've connected with this whole community that I am growing and learning so much. And I'm like, oh my God. And it is helping him. He's like, wow, that's really interesting, you know? And he's starting to look at for other avenues in that. So we just never know, but it's, it's re- and it's really hard the closer someone is, but it's not about getting anger, you know, calling, just telling them to get their shit together and stop being such an asshole or whatever. And that's really, really hard, but it's always our work. It's always our peace. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And I love talking to you. We could talk forever, but I have one more question before we go. Mm -hmm. If someone is dealing with an alcoholic or an addict and they don't know how to have a relationship or move forward, what would be your last bit of advice that you wish you would have heard a long time ago? Yeah, well, again, it's 
I suppose because it depends where you're at in your journey, because for so long I was so unconscious, you know, I didn't even see the connection. So curiosity is such an incredible tool. Like if we live a life of curiosity and more curiosity about ourselves, you know, why am I getting so angry? What is it touching within me? Why am I, you know, can I not hold a space of love? You know, why am I not breathing? Yeah, it really, everything comes back to us. It's got nothing to do with anyone outside of us. And if people are pushing our buttons and triggering us, again, it's an invitation for us to go within ourselves. And absolutely, if someone is actually in a physically threatening situation, I mean, you have to look after yourself. You cannot live in hope. See what is in front of you and take action. Action is the biggest game changer because we can live in fantasy we can live in hope we can t- keep telling ourselves stories we can say no it's going to change this time we'll believe them this time but no look at what is in front of you just get really honest with yourself and be like oh shit no this is not okay and i need to look after myself oh well thank you so much karen for coming on where can people find you because you have your own podcast and everything and i want people you know if what's resonating helps them and you can help them even more Yeah, great. Thank you. My podcast is called Curiosity and Consciousness. And again, it's just exploring these deeper themes as well and awakening to our own power and consciousness. But also um, my website is soulpowerlight.com and I work as an inside out coach. You know, this is what I do now because Mm -hmm. of my journey. I help people to literally liberate and free themselves of their stories, of their limiting beliefs, of their programming, of their conditioning, because we all have it in some aspect. So yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.